Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Sunday, May 26, 2013. Today's message is Transformed by the Mission, a great example by Pastor Ryan Cochran, based on John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Today's special music will be the choir. Amen. That is an awesome song. Praise God. Would you pray with me? God, we we give you thanks for Jesus. We want to come to know him more deeply today as we come to your word. We want to know how our knowledge of him and our love of him compels us, God, to go into the world to be like him, to speak his name to those that we know. God, we pray that the vision of you emptying yourself, paying the great cost for us, God, would compel us to go into your world with the knowledge and truth of who you are. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. <clears throat> For the last uh, five or six years, our church has, has supported uh, Nick and Iris Hung, uh, who were previously missionaries to Nigeria. And throughout the history of this church, our church has supported all kinds of missionaries who have, have gone from North America and Canada to all different kinds of the, uh, all different places in the world uh, to be missionaries. And Nick and Iris, before they left to go from Canada to Nigeria, they, they did a lot of research on, on the political and cultural beliefs and norms of the area that they were going into. Uh, they began to learn all of the very basics of that culture that they were going into. And when they arrived in Nigeria, uh, Nick and Iris moved into a town and they lived alongside the people that were there. Uh, they, they, they had a small house, and, and in that house they learned to eat and to cook and prepare the food of the local culture. Uh, they continued to learn the language of that culture, and they began to wear the same clothing that the people in that town wore. Nick and Iris became like the people that they were seeking to reach. Nick and Iris moved into the neighborhood. I recently heard about a, a group of Christian men who enjoy skateboarding. And in the city where they live, Sunday mornings is one of the busiest times uh, where kids come and skateboard at the local park. And so these young Christian men have decided not to go to a church building every Sunday, but instead they have started a church that meets right by the local skateboard park. And so when they get there on Sunday morning, a few of them, uh, some of them who are interested, start by praying together. They, they sing a song or two. And then the rest of the morning, they spend time skateboarding with uh, the other youth that are there. And around lunchtime, then they, they get out a grill and they put some hot dogs and hamburgers on and they, they treat these youths to lunch. And they've been doing this for years and they are seeing youth come to know Christ. They have moved into the neighborhood. 
I heard another story recently about a group of women who were very concerned about how many strip clubs were popping up in their town. I know that many Christians in many towns have chose to to picket and to protest these kinds of establishments, and I think that that's a, a good thing to do at times. But these women felt like God was calling them to do something else. God was calling them to move into the neighborhood. And so these women, on a regular basis, go into the strip clubs and they spend the evening there taking up every opportunity they can to talk to the women who perform there. And after some months, and I don't know, maybe it's been years that they've been doing this, just recently they were invited by a couple of the women to go back into the dressing rooms and to share their stories and to share Jesus with the women who are there. These women chose to move into the neighborhood. In all of these examples, we see that these followers of Jesus were required to become like the people that they felt called to save. These men and women had to choose to be in the place where these people lived and worked. They had to eat the same foods and to participate in at least some of the same activities and some of the same clothes and very simply, to be with the people that they felt called to reach. They had to become like them in every way, except without sin. They had to discern how they could become like the people that they wanted to reach in every way and still be a holy and distinct people. In all of these examples, and we could think of thousands of more that are going on today and throughout church history, Christians had to be willing to change. They had to be willing to change in order to reach those that they wanted to save. Out of love, they had to be willing to change, to move into a place, to move into circumstances and situations, to move outside their own safe place in order to reach those that they wanted to see come to know Christ. In these examples, the Christians had to be willing to be transformed by the mission. They had to allow the mission, the calling of God in their lives, to shape who they were and how they acted and how they were going to respond to the people that they encountered. And I want to suggest to you that this morning that this is more than just a good missionary strategy. This isn't just you know, a good way to get to know other people so that we can then tell them about Jesus. This idea of becoming like those who we want to see come to know Jesus is more than just kind of this evangelism tool that we put in our Christian toolbox. Becoming like those who we want to see saved is what Jesus himself did. It is the way of Jesus in the world. When we, as his followers, out of love, seek to do the same, seek in some way to become like those around us so that we can communicate the gospel to them through our words or through our actions, we are following the example of Jesus. John chapter 1, the word became flesh. The word became flesh and lived with us. Or as Eugene Peterson paraphrases in the message, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. 
This is a statement about the incarnation. That's the theological word. But what Eugene Peterson says is the incarnation means that Jesus moved into the neighborhood. Jesus, the word of God, living with us. This is how Jesus was sent into the world, to live with those that he wanted to save. Jesus became a part of the life of first century Jewish people. He went to weddings. He celebrated the Jewish festivals. He attended funerals and grieved along with his other family members and friends when somebody died. He celebrated the births of children. He joined people in their homes for dinners. He worked with his hands. He wore the clothing of a first century Jew. He ate the same food. He became a part of the life of that culture. Jesus became flesh and became a life, part of the life of that culture. He was sent by the Father to a particular time, and he lived in a particular place, and he lived among a particular group of people, and he moved into the neighborhood. Throughout this sermon today, we are going to think about this as an example for us, as we consider how we are to meet and interact with those around us. But before we do that, before we do that, I want you to simply consider this radical way that God has chosen to save you. Consider the ways that God himself was willing to change so that you could come to know him. The creator became a part of his created world. The eternal God, the one who always was and who always will be, the one who created the world simply by speaking, the one who is all-powerful and all-knowing, emptied himself and took on flesh and lived with us so that we could come to know him. If there's no other verse that you should meditate on for the next week, two weeks, one month, it is John 1, uh, verse uh, Verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Through Jesus, we can come to know God. The Creator became a part of his created world. The King became a servant. In Philippians chapter 2, we read that Jesus, even though he was in very nature God, even though he was a king and had all of the rights of the king of the universe, he himself took on flesh and took on the nature of a slave, the nature of a servant. And he was willing to become like us, to take on human flesh, not to come and to rule over us, to become like us so that he could serve us so that he could serve us all the way to the cross. The king became a servant. Amen? The king became a servant. Amen? Thank you. The Holy One became sin for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we read that the Holy and Perfect One was willing to become sin for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, that is Jesus, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus, the Holy One, the perfect one who knew no sin at all, became sin for us, became 
unholy, became stained with the sin that was ours, became sick by drinking the cup of the wrath of God. The one who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could come to know God and be made right with God. The Holy One became sin for us. Amen? The Word became flesh. The Creator became a part of His creation. The King became a servant. The Holy One became sin. God Himself, out of His divine love, was willing to be transformed by His mission so that we could come to know Him. Because of His love for us, He was willing to become humble like a servant. Because of his love for us, he was willing to subject his own divine self to suffering. Because of his love for us, he was willing to take upon himself the burden of our own sin, the weight of our own sin, the disgustingness of our own sin upon his self. He became sin for us. He did all of this because of his Love for you and for me. He did all of this so that you and I could come to know him and to be with him. The word became flesh and lived with us. Jesus became like those that he wanted to save. God was willing to be transformed himself, to take on a different nature even, in order to seek and to save us. He was compelled by his love to do that. God himself willing to be transformed for the sake of saving us. In order to make his holy and perfect character known to us. In order to make his love known to us. In order that our sins could be forgiven. He was willing to take on a different nature so that we could come to know him and be in relationship with him. Amen. We're going to look at this incarnation, this becoming flesh as as a model for us. But before any of that, we have to come to know that it's because God was willing to do that that we could ever even be saved at all. After his resurrection... Jesus met the disciples in the upper room and he said to them, As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. This way of Jesus becoming like those that he wanted to save is to be our way in the world as well. It's a model for us as we consider the way that we are to go into the world and encounter those that we want to see come to know Christ. As the Father sent me, or in the same way that the Father sent me, I am now sending you. There's something for us to learn as we reflect on Jesus' way of being with others, about the way that he condescended to us, became like us, in order for us to come to know him. Throughout the New Testament, the church is called the body of Christ. 
as a people who have been filled with the Spirit of Christ, we have been made into his body and are sent into the world to, like Jesus, also live in particular times, in particular places, and with particular groups of people. And to live in our neighborhoods in a way and manner, in the same way and manner that Jesus did, for the purpose of revealing God to the world. We are called to become a part of the life of our neighborhood, to, to go to weddings and to eat at the restaurants, to participate in neighborhood festivals like about a dozen of us did yesterday. We're called to take seriously the reality of the Spirit of God in us and therefore take seriously the importance of our physical presence with our neighbors. Jesus is there in our neighborhoods, at the local soccer field and the baseball diamond, at the senior center around the rook table. Jesus is there. In your mom's group at the local community center, Jesus is there. So how can we as believers be in those places and find opportunities for our neighbors to encounter where Jesus is in that place and in their lives? I think we have often reduced uh, evangelism and outreach, or the goal of evangelism and outreach, to trying to get people to come to church or to get people to come to some maybe evangelistic rally or some church event. Now, all of those things are good things. But when we think about outreach or when we think about the goal of evangelism, we've often been told that the goal is to get your friend or your neighbor to come to church or perhaps to some event, and there they will have an opportunity to hear about Jesus. Inviting our friends to church is a really good thing. We were blessed just this past Good Friday to have some of our neighbors who we have uh, built a relationship with to come to that service. We had a great chance to have a good conversation with them afterward. But I think we need to move beyond seeing the goal of outreach as simply getting people to the church. Because when we make that the goal or the objective, I want you to think about what we are expecting of our neighbors, what we are expecting of our not-yet-follower of Jesus, to be the ones who go to a place that is probably uncomfortable and scary for them. We expect them to come into our world, where we feel comfortable. We expect them to change. We expect non-believers to be the one that change so that then maybe they can have an encounter with Jesus. just want to use a, a bit of a, an illustration of, of what I'm saying here. Um, hopefully you all will be able to, to see this. So um, this is Ebenezer Baptist Church right here. I know you guys could tell that from my great drawing. This is Ebenezer Baptist Church right here. And each of these numbers, each of these numbers represent um, an obstacle, a cultural obstacle of getting here into this church. And so if you think about maybe uh, number one um, might be uh, a person who is of a completely different faith and doesn't know anything at all about Jesus. So uh, someone's faith, uh, someone's other religion might be uh, an obstacle. Some, uh, in order to come in here, we don't dress like most of the people in our neighborhood. So um, maybe our dress, um, our culture, 
Um, our language would be a ba barrier for some people in our neighborhoods. People's experiences of church. There are a lot of people who have, uh, who have uh, grown up in, uh, in Canada, and they've had a really bad experience of church. That is a significant obstacle uh, for many people um, to get into the church. And so people's experience uh, of the church. Okay? So if you just think of these as, uh, if a person were to actually come into our doors, uh, they would have to be at number five, and that each of these are an obstacle in order for them to get there. Now, about maybe 30 or 40 years ago, I think most of our neighbors were probably, if they weren't at a five, ready to kind of come into our doors, maybe they would have been a four. Maybe there was just kind of one obstacle that they needed to overcome. Maybe they did have a bad experience at one point, and so uh, they decided, you know, well, maybe I'll give it a try again. But we know, don't we, that our neighbors have a lot of obstacles to overcome just to walk through our door. Imagine for a moment whether or not you, on your own, would walk into the Sikh temple down the street. I don't suspect that any of us, on our own, would do that. Might not even do that if we were invited, I don't suspect. And so we have all of these different obstacles that our neighbors have just by coming into the church. And what I want to say to us today is that it is our calling as those who are followers of Christ to recognize that for each of these people that Jesus is already there with them, that he's already active in their lives, that he knows them, that he loves them, and then it's part of our job to name where Jesus is active in their lives, to enter into onto their turf, to be with them in their place in order to do that. And I think that when we think about our job for outreach to get people here into this building, we are asking them to change. We were asking them, in order to come and hear about Jesus, that they are going to have to be the ones that do all of the cultural moves and overcome all of the cultural barriers in order to come here. We are called to meet people where they are, in their place, and on their turf. Think about the examples that we used earlier. Formal missionaries who go to a different country they are called to go there and to overcome all of the cultural barriers that it takes so that they can bring um, the message of Christ to others. Think about the skateboard crew. They sacrifice their traditional time on Sunday morning worship in order to worship Christ in a different way and in a different place so that those youth can come to know Christ. The women who are willing to go into a strip club a place that is without a doubt an uncomfortable place for them to be, but doing it out of love for those women who are lost and who are without hope. In each case, the follower of Jesus is the one who must be willing to change in order to introduce people to Jesus. In none of those cases do the followers of Jesus expect that the not-yet followers of Jesus will come to them. They are the ones who are willing to change. And think about... Jesus himself, the creator, willing to become a part of his created world, the king, willing to become a servant, the holy one, becoming sin for us so that we could come to know God. 
Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This was the example of Jesus, and I think that Paul, in his letters, talks about how he himself was following the example of Christ in his own ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, going to read verses 19 through 23. Paul says this, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. This is Paul's example of his own willingness to be changed to allow the mission itself to transform him in every circumstance to reach those who need to know Christ. This is our calling as well, that out of love that we would be willing to meet people where they are, to spend time with them where they are in order to discover what God is doing in their life and to join with God in that work. I have a feeling that there are some of you who are thinking this morning, all that sounds really good for a trained missionary. But what about me? Is anyone else thinking that? I've been thinking about it all week. For some of you, this thought of outreach just really scares you, and this sermon perhaps, perhaps even just feels like this big burden now that Pastor Ryan is placed on your shoulders. All this work maybe just sounds like, you know, that's work for those really kind of extroverted people who are really great talking to people, you know, in coffee shops and whatever else, and that's not me. It's not who I am. I'm not that kind of person. I want to give you today some practical suggestions that will hopefully show you that this doesn't have to be this big, life-altering, radical, amazing thing that you do in your life. Not all of you women need to head to the strip club this Friday night. I think you're all relieved by that, I'm sure. We don't all have to go down and live on the downtown east side for the next 20 years in hopes to bring some kind of hope down there. We don't have to all move to Asia and to be a missionary. There are some practical, everyday things that God is calling us to do, both as individuals and as a church. And these examples that I've mentioned can just be examples for us, just models for us to think, wow, they were willing to change in some way. And so what if I, in my approach to my neighbor, changed in a little bit as well? What if I was willing to 
you know, go to the poker night on Friday night or to go to some event that this person is interested in or whatever it may be in your relationship with your coworkers or your neighbors. How can I become like them in some way so that I may share Christ with them? As individuals, uh, for the most part, I want to suggest that none of you really have to go anywhere different at all. Most of you already meet people on their own turf every single day when you go to work or in your apartment complex or at your, in your neighborhood. You're already at the soccer field, the baseball diamond, at the mom's group, at the lounge in the senior center, wherever it may be. You are already, every day, meeting people on their own turf. And so the question, I suggest, becomes not for us, at least not at first, how can I get this person to come to Ebenezer on Sunday morning? But how do I, as I am here with this person, and as I believe Jesus is here with this person, how do I help them to see where Jesus is in their life? What would it mean for you to begin to ask God to be a part of those meetings, to be a part of those interactions and a part of those relationships? Have you spent time in prayer with the friends that you have and the interactions that you will have in your workplace, in your neighborhood? Could you offer in some way to pray for a friend when you begin to hear something in their life that's a struggle? Could you simply be present with them and to love them in a unique way? All of these ways, I suggest to you, would be victories. All of these ways would be successful ways to follow Jesus' example into the places where you meet people each day. Success is not only getting someone to come to church with you or to some church meeting. That might happen, it might not. But you can be successful in this by being available to God in those moments, being open to God and what he wants to do in those relationships. I am not an extrovert. I really don't like talking to people. That was kind of a joke. Come on. I'm real, but I, it's true. I'm really not an extrovert. It's not in me to just go out to someone and to talk to them. But I am trying to be faithful to this calling of meeting people where they are. I'm not very good at it. I just want to give you two examples of doors that God has opened for me in the last month or two uh, that I've tried to walk through. I've tried to walk through. The first was uh, about six weeks ago. I was sitting at Brecca, the bakery up here, and I was working on my sermon there, which I do sometimes. And uh, I didn't really notice, but the, the coffee shop was becoming quite crowded. And uh, I was sitting there, and I kind of had all my stuff on the chair, and it was kind of the only chair left. And so I was probably looking like the rude guy in the room who, who takes up all the chairs with his bags. Anyways, uh, some gentleman was, was bold enough to come up and say, hey, can I sit here? Yeah, sure. So I moved my stuff. And kind of in that moment, I had this kind of feeling of, do I now take the opportunity to say something, or do I kind of keep looking at my computer and do my sermon, okay? That was kind of the moment. And I... It was as if God had said to me, have a conversation with this guy. And so I just started talking with him. And for the next 45 minutes, we had a fantastic conversation. He's a man who grew up as a Muslim, but 
um, uh, really, I think, isn't really following that now. And we had a great conversation uh, about, about faith, had a great conversation about how his heart broke recently when he saw that a church had shut down and had sold and how that really bothered him, that there was this Christian community in this neighborhood that doesn't seem to exist anymore. And so we talked about some of those struggles that the church has. And I asked him at the end of the conversation, is there any way that I can pray for you? And he told me. Um, I haven't seen him in about five or six weeks, and I just yesterday uh, saw him at uh, the Neighborhood Festival and had another chance to, to talk with him and to ask him about that prayer concern that I had. He was surprised. I think he thought I was a little bit weird for remembering that. Um, but uh, I had this chance to, to share with him, you know, hey, I have been praying for you, and, and how's that thing going? It's one way. Medi's probably a one or a two. Perhaps in my conversations with him, he's moved to a two or a three. I don't know. It's up to God. Second thing that uh, we've really done the last couple of years is that uh, we play with our girls in the front yard of our house. Uh, Use your front yard more than your backyard, especially if you live on a house where a lot of people go and uh, do some walking. We have met so many of our neighbors just by playing with our kids, and we have cute kids, so it's a lot easier for people to kind of interact and kind of break down those barriers. But we've just had a a lot of opportunities to to meet our neighbors and to talk with them, and some of them that we've developed a relationship with just the other day, uh, kids were playing in the front yard, and we talked, and they're like, yeah, we live in this apartment complex, complex, and we don't have a place to do some gardening. I said, I've got part of my backyard. Do you want to come and help me? And so this summer, there are four of us together from our neighborhood who are going to do gardening together rather than just me, which probably means I'm going to have a lot more produce on my table because I'm a bad gardener and they're not. And so they're going to be teaching me things all this time. I'm hoping to communicate to them uh, my love for them, my care for them, my concern for them, and hopefully they'll teach me about some gardening. Easy ways. Easy ways. Those are ways that individuals, that you can begin to ask your questions. How in some way can I meet people where they are? And not simply ask them to do all of the cultural work to come here so that they can meet Jesus. They can meet Jesus where they are. As a church, as a whole church, I think we need to reevaluate what successful outreach looks like. As I've said, for a long time we've seen success as getting someone to church. Again, a very good thing. And I wonder if there's some different ways for us, I wonder though, if there are some different ways for us to celebrate these daily successes that no doubt many of us have each week as we interact with our neighbors. I know there are many of you who frequently show kindness and love to your neighbors, taking over some cookies, taking over a pot of soup, praying for them in whatever way. And I think that as a church we need to talk more about these quieter and smaller acts of mission that we do. Maybe in Challengers on Wednesday, there could be a time where some of you share some of the ways that you do this maybe every day, maybe every week, maybe every once in a while, but to share some of those stories. In adult Bible studies, to share these stories and then to pray together about these relationships that God has brought into our life. To pray about these opportunities that God would give us a chance to speak, not out of some phony or contrived way, but in a natural way. This is who I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. I want to give witness to it. Not in some kind of phony, contrived, you know, I want to say these four or five points to you, but simply who I am. As they get to know you, you can let them know who you are too as a follower of Jesus. So this is the first week of this sermon series called Transformed 
by the mission. And I want to say that the first way that we are transformed by the mission is simply by recognizing, maybe not simply, by recognizing that our love for our neighbor will require us to change, to move out of places that are comfortable for us in order to meet them. We must be willing and ready to change. And as we go through this sermon series, we're going to see that there are many ways that those who are followers of Christ, those who are God's people who are sent on mission, that they are changed as they go. That God's mission in the world is not only for those who are not yet followers of Jesus. The mission of God and the calling to be on the mission of God is also for us. That our faith would be increased. That we would learn to pray real and radical prayers in our life for the sake of our neighbors. The mission of God is not only for those who have not yet come to know Jesus, but it's for us as well. Let's pray. God, I want to pray today for for all of us here, um, any of us who may feel uh, just more burdened today rather than set free. God, I pray that you would enliven our hearts to this amazing truth of what you have done, the cost that you paid for us, how far you went so that we could come to know you. And God, I pray that if we felt burdened by that today, that we just meditate on who you are and what you have done and to, over time, allow that truth and that good news inflame a fire into our hearts. And God, for each of us, that uh, you would open our eyes to see the ways that you are calling us uh, to be a part of the lives of our neighbors for your sake. God, show us what we might do through our actions, our kindness, our expressions of love, and God, also through our words, speaking about Jesus to others. God, I pray that you would show us ways that we can do that. Lord, we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.